0: Challenging times, uh, but we—I want to get wrap this up as we think of uh, all the things that've been going on in your life. If you could just sort of settle that at the, put them down at your feet, or I like to say put them at the cross. But uh, we're going to wrap up this uncommon series, and we've been learning so much about who God is, how uncommon this God is that we serve as what we call under the Christianity, this God of the Bible we talked about community. We've talked about the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and worship. All this stuff that we've talked about. Well, I want to wrap it up as you put that all in a package of what it is to follow Jesus in this uncommon love that we have for others. And hopefully we can bring that through. Because I could use another word, uh, evangelism. When you think of evangelism, what goes through your head? cold, knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus, you know, witnessing, and we get all scared about evangelism and about witnessing, and we say, I can't do it. I'm not good enough for that. Well, I want to break through that today, and I want to talk from starting at God's love for us and how we can settle into his love, and then how we can share that love with others. So I'm going to... There's a reason where I'm going here today, and hopefully it makes sense to you, and may God speak to you and give you freedom today, because I know many of you get in this place of an unsettledness in what's going on around our world, and I want us to bring us to a place where we can experience uh, God's presence and His grace. And so we're going to bounce around uh, a bit in Scripture, but... If you are following along, look up uh, Exodus. Uh, I think I turned this thing. There we go. And this is, again, uh, God is starting his relationship in one sense, his covenant relationship with Israel. And so he is saying this to Moses. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that your spirit would just uh, speak to us, Lord, uh, uh, anoint me, give me your words, that there would be clarity, that we would hear what you want us to, to know today. I ask in Jesus' name, Amen. So the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy that is merciful, a God that is gracious, a God that is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, abounding in faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and the transgressions of sin. And then I stopped there because it talks about. God's judgment on those that continue to sin and not walk with God. But let's hold on to that one. But to put it in context, uh, we see here that this is the character of God. If we're going to start somewhere about talking about love, we need to understand the character of God. That God is love, God is merciful, not giving us what we deserve. We deserve punishment. He is merciful, God is gracious. He gives us, blesses us more than we deserve. He is gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, this solid love. You and I could not understand that, of how God loves us despite of who we are. And that he is faithful, steadfast love for thousands, forgiving the iniquity. So right away, as we know, we have a sin problem. in our, in our lives, in, in our relationship with God and with others, there is a sin problem, but this is the character of God. So he is, is gracious traits, rooted in generous mercy, loyal love. So when we look at God's anger, it's not a primary attribute here. It's not a primary. It's still based and rooted in love. Uh, one person put it this way, when you think of God's anger... It's a divine reaction to selfish, destructive human decisions. Because I hear, and maybe you do as well, if this is a God so loving, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why do floods happen? Why does this happen? And, and on and on it goes. But God's anger is the reaction of our selfish and destructive human decisions. If I were just to give one example, if I were to go out and see how many tanks Uh, out there are full that you just filled up yesterday instead of getting your 30 liters because you're thinking of yourself. I need to make sure I got enough gas, right? That's where we go, our selfishness. Uh, How many of you feel, don't have to answer, raise your hands or anything, you know, went to the grocery store and grabbed as much meat because you got two freezers? I'm going to make sure I got enough food. My wife dared to say to me the other day, we might be vegetarian. And I'm like... (laughs) As long as I got chocolate, I'm okay. <laughs> that's vegetarian, you know, chocolate's a bean, so yeah, we're good. So we realize our selfishness, Or do I get distracted quickly. Uh, our selfishness leads us to that, and that's where God's anger, when our human nature, God created us in the image of God. We are image bearers, and when we don't display that, it grieves God. So, but he's slow to anger even in that process. So keep that mind as you think of his anger and the justice. God said there will be consequences for our sin. And we live in a fallen world. So when we look at that, don't throw that on God. God is loving. He, when he created, he said it was good. So he didn't mess up. He gave us free will. And this is the challenge we have today. That you and I have an opportunity to choose good. But often we choose our own selfish desires, and it affects other people. And we'll, I'll get more onto that. But as long as we understand from this passage, this is his character. God is love. Don't blame it on him when we choose evil, and it affects other people. It never changes. God's character continues flow. He doesn't want any to perish. So when you think of Romans 5, 8, uh, but God demonstrated his love towards us. This is a love. He is reaching towards us. He loves us. That's who he is. He wants us. He reached towards us. While we're yet sinners, Christ is reaching towards us that you would believe in him and not perish. Even when you go to a familiar scripture that even somebody that doesn't know Jesus has heard this verse in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. In this world, it's referring to people. Okay? It's cosmos. But it's people. That whoever believes in his son would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the God of love. But it A lot of times we don't read verse 17, again, describing his character. John 3, 17, For God did not send his his Son into the world to condemn the world. Because we like to dwell on God's judgment a lot, and he is. That judgment will come, don't get me wrong. But understand, in him sending his Son, this is God's love towards us. That he did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in the, through him, the world might be saved. That is what God wants us to know. His character is love. He loves you. He doesn't love the world in the sense of what is going on. He loves the family, the human race. He does not love what happens in the world. We know that from 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world, and here's the other side of it, Or anything in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we have two contexts of this defining of the world. And so I want you to understand, God loves the people of the world, he doesn't love the if I can use the heathen, the cultural evil of the world. God's love is based on who he is, that he loves you. So we, first of all, we need to see God's love. I'm, I'm into the S's today, so we're going to see, we're going to settle, and we're going to share. So it's all about the S today. Uh, so I picked the see God's love today. So we're all about seeing God's love. If you're able to see his love and what he has done for you, that his character is 100%, I love you, I'll do everything for you, I am compassionate and merciful God. It's based on God's love, not on who you are or what you've done. And we somehow think that, that somehow you got to, we get in our heads that it's about you i got to be good enough for God to love me. And sometimes I think, in North America, I'll break it broader than Canada. We think, well, God loves Canada, but he doesn't love the other countries. And I say, God loves the human race. In 2 Peter, he says, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. This is the God that I'm talking about in the Bible. This is the uncommon God. God is love. Therefore, to think that God does not love the lost is contrary. God does love the lost. That's his nature. He wants everybody to come to know Jesus. I I wrote here and underlined it. God is not capable of not loving. God is not capable of not loving. And so when we get a hold of this love, I think it's important then we're able to settle into his love. This is another point, this is your choice. Uh, Let me give you a picture. Uh, In, uh, my son-in-law and daughter have a lake house and, and it's right on the lake, there's two big trees and then they have a hammock. Now I know it's a technique to get into a hammock, uh, and some of you guys may not be a, an expert at it, and you do the flip and stuff. Uh, it's always exciting. But for me, the hammock was my place of settling into God's love. I just I remember it so clearly that that's my picture of settling in his love. I could just lay in there, and the, the worries of the world were pushed aside, and I just felt his peace. I was forgiven. God loved me, and I could bathe in his love. Have you ever been in those places where you just know God's love? For me, it was the hammock. And even to this day where we would go and we'd have a my other son had a hammock in his back. I would just go in. And his was the cocoon one, and it just wrapped around you. and I could just be in there until uh, the kids found out you were there. But it was a place of settling in his love. In this day today, are you experiencing that place of settling into his love? This is who God is. This is his character. God loves you. He is merciful and gracious, steadfast in love. But are you experiencing it? Or has the world filled you with worry and stress? Maybe you're more like this one person who, who wrote this recently. You might relate. For weeks, I tried keeping myself productive. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine, I told myself. But deep in my heart, where no one could see, I didn't feel fine. So much of life changed in such a short period of time. There are no blueprints for what's ahead. Every day, there are new uncertainties in our life. How do I shield my children How am I going to try to process this for myself? Stress and worries have a way of just reappearing in my life. So one day I chose to take it on. I'm going to go up the trail of my mountain and I'm going to double up on my powers to analyze to solve my dilemma. This dilemma that I was stuck in. I figured if I could... I circled around my problems long enough. I would last soothe them into submission and think my way out of my problems. But all I did was fill my mind with more troubling thoughts. Can you relate? I'm going to research, I'm going to figure it out, and all you get is more things that trouble you. He says, as I reached the top and I turned around to go back down the trail, my heart felt more paralyzed, More torn, weighing the pros and cons of uncertainty. You ever feel that way? Maybe you're feeling that way these days of all the things that are going on. Well, if there's no gas, how do I get to work? How do I pay the mortgage? How do I, and all these pressures that are going on around us. How do you get to this place of settling into His love? Listen to the word of God. I'm going to get you into your hammock, resting and looking up. All these things, pushing it aside as you hear these words from God. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Can you hear God say that to you today? Because we can see his love maybe in others, but do you see his love in you? That he loves you right where you are. To rest in that hammock. Saying, God, you hold me. These other things, you've got them. Stop striving. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Because let me be straight with you as a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be looking different than the one that is not a follower of Jesus. When we see calamity go all around us, do you look different than the others that don't follow Jesus? That's a hard call, because we can get caught, and I know I get caught, and I need to get back into that hammock, and I need to rest and just say, God, you are an amazing God. Look what you can do. You could part the rivers. You could take a mountain and put it into the sea. You are God Almighty, and you said you loved me. You said you care for me, so I'm going to trust you with my life. Are you able to do that because it's a critical part of your life? Isaiah 63, again, he says, I want to bestow upon you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I want to put on you the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair that you be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and you're going to display my splendor. That's what God wants to do in you, that you would display his splendor because of your hope in his faithfulness, because you're trusting in him. Are you able to do that? God invites you to do that. He calls you to come to surrender your striving. Because many, this is what I find in, as followers of Jesus. Uh, if you have the picture, I'll use the car. You know, you give your life to Jesus, and Jesus takes the wheel, right? Because you're driving the Ford, you need to trust Jesus. <laughs> and, and Jesus has the wheel. He is in control. He's driving it. You're in the passenger seat. And life is awesome because Jesus has control. And then all of a sudden, you say, Jesus, could you move over? Can you get in the back of the seat? Because I'm going somewhere else. And sometimes we push Jesus out of the car. And we say, I'm going this way. And you're wondering why, as a follower of Jesus, the joy is gone. The, The peace is gone. And all I'm saying is, today, number one, get Jesus back behind the wheel. Surrender to him. This is a daily, sometimes moment by moment, life practice to say, Jesus, I'm under your control. You're in control. The government's not in control. Jesus, you're in control. I am trusting you, and I will obey you. There's another scripture verse that Jesus read. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and this is what Jesus read in the temple, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty, freedom for the captives, and, and to recover the sight of the blind, to set liberty, again, freedom for those who are oppressed. That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus that wants to set you free, and that you would bathe in his love, and then This is passed on to you and me as followers of Jesus. He says, now I want you to go with this message. I want you to proclaim the good news, the freedom to the oppressed. The answer is Jesus, because we know God's character. So we settle in his love, and now we're able to share his love. We're able to connect with him and be able to share with others this love that we have received. See, God's love is not a consumer's love. It's not just saying, ooh, look what I got. I go to church, I get pumped for Jesus, and Jesus meets me every day, and life is so good. I don't want to tell anybody else about this. I just want to hold it. You and I know that's not what the Christian life is. That is not. We are are so different in the sense that we want others to know the freedom that they can have. God cares about the lost and the hurting, and we have the good news that he will give hope. And so he will give forgiveness, joy, peace. That's his gift to us. And yes, it doesn't mean life will be a bed of roses. It doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect because we are in a fallen world. But it means that through all these things, there is peace. And there's such an attitude that changes in our lives that we stop thinking of ourselves. We think of other people. In Matthew 5, it says, you have heard in Matthew 5, 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And we are like, yeah. Well, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Yeah, wait a minute, God. I'm like, God, you just bring judgment across that guy? And he's like, no, I want you to love those. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. okay. This is way too uncommon. This does not go well with a normal fallen human being. And this is what Jesus calls us to do. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Again and again use you. Pray for them. And for those who persecute you. You know, as a kid in school, I was bullied a lot because I was short. I sure would not think of praying for them. Now, I was not saved, but to think about doing that, man, I wanted them to be taken out. And maybe you the same way when someone constantly picks you up and throws you against a locker every day. You'd say, yeah, I don't think I would like that. But God calls us to pray for those. Though that pray for them that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil. Whoa! This is the merciful character of God. He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. It sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is a compassionate, loving God, and you and I are supposed to be the same. We're to show the love of Christ to even those who, do I dare say, undeserve it. They don't deserve it. Undeserve it? They don't deserve it. Uh, do we create that judgment to say, well, these guys, they deserve my love. That one, no way, they don't deserve my love. They will never repent. We were going through a, one of our life careers. We were talking about Jonah. And Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh because they are the most evil, wicked people. They are our enemy. We're not going there. And God says, I want you to go. So don't you and I have the right to judge who needs the gospel and who doesn't? Jonah thought, nope, God, they do not need the gospel. They don't need the good news. I don't want them to repent. I want your judgment upon them. And you or I do the same thing, unknowingly. And so I just want us to be clear that God calls us to love everyone because number one, he loves you. So if he loves you, just saying, okay. <laughs> I'll leave that thought with you. Okay. So another scripture. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this great, this is great in first commandment. And the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we've talked about this, how we love ourselves. We want to make sure we get it all. So how about this? So I love myself. I want to make sure I have enough gas to get around and do everything. Urch! Hey, I don't need to get around. I can, I can walk. So maybe, Lord, I'm going to leave that gas for somebody else that has to commute to North Van to get their work. You know, I know there, I need some meat, but... ah used to be toilet paper. we just go into different things. But, you know, now it's meat. You say, well, I can eat just vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) And I can give you the meat. (laughs) That would be a sacrifice. I'm glad God didn't bring up chocolate. but, (laughs) But do you understand how this says you shall love your neighbor as yourself? Are you willing to... The things that you feel you need that you're thinking of the other person... This is the love that radiates through us, that we would love the world in such a way, that we would share love with others. I hope you understand that. I want to wrap this up very practically, that we understand, we see God's love, and we settle into his love. You're, you've come to that place. If Maybe you haven't. You're just saying, well, I want to know more about God's love, and... Uh, I haven't settled into that love. And you can come forward after the service. We can talk to you about that. Maybe you know somebody that has, and you can talk to them. And that, out of that flows sharing his love with others. So how do you do that? So how do you go and you know somebody, it's your neighbor or coworker, you know them, and they are, they don't know Jesus, but they know you. Here's one thing you can ask of them. You're in your workplace, wherever you are, Hopefully you have some relationship, you know their name. That's a starting point, know their name. Uh, Mind uh, Story mining is discovering their story. And now get, so that's number one, story mining. Get to know their story. And you'll get this relationship going as you share each other's story. And there's no judgment in sharing stories. Then the second question is you ask, is there more to life than this? That's a simple question. Is there more to life than this? All you have to do is ask that one question. And you could interact saying, hey, let's let's talk about this. This could go for a couple days. It could go for a month. It could go six months. We're talking about, is there more to life than this? And once you've settled that one, then you want to ask this next question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And now we have this interaction going on, and so you're talking to your buddy, uh, your neighbor, your coworker, whoever this person is, and you're saying, "Who is Jesus?" And once you settle that one, you can ask the next question of, "Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die?" Then once you got that one settled, you can go to the next question of. What is faith? What is faith? And so it's simple. No matter where you are, how long you've known Jesus, you can ask this question. What is faith? I don't know if you realize, for some of you that have gone to Alpha, I am describing the weeks of Alpha. It is that simple. Alpha is a, a program just explaining what it is to be a Christian, and you answer some of these questions. So you know that person. You can say, hey, why don't you join me in Alpha? And, but understand this one principle in discipleship, that without your presence, there is no progress. Without your presence, there is no progress. So you need to be present walking with these people that you're, you're with. So I'm talking one person. You don't have to, I mean, you could go across the street and talk to the guy at the gas station I said, hey, is there more to life than this? Uh, but what I realize is God has placed people in your lives already where you already can do this. Because you know God's love. You've settled into that love and you say, This is amazing love. He just continues to walk with me. I trip and fall. He picks me back up. He is an amazing God. Who are you walking with to help? To, not to, this is not a consumer love. We're not to hold on to this love. We're to share it. Jesus said, go make disciples. And so these simple steps that I'm talking about. And if you don't know what those steps, join Alpha and learn them. You can, you can watch Alpha on, online, walk through and say, oh, yeah. And so it, there's your teaching tutorial as you're walking with others if you don't know how to, where to go. You can. God has equipped you by his spirit because you know God's love. You've settled in that love. You are experiencing it. That's what you share with somebody else and you walk with them. You do life together. So you're in his word. You're in prayer. One other principle that I, I, I like to say, before you talk to somebody about God, talk to God about that someone. Okay? So before you talk to Bill about God, you talk to God about Bill. Just a simple process. And yes, there is divine appointments where God just drops you in and you can share Christ. But the normal, the everyday living, go make disciples, is literally an everyday life. Some of you as parents, you are doing that with your children. As you walk with Jesus, you are teaching them your presence and your process and you're helping them learn what it is to follow Jesus. That's what God calls us to do, to go and make disciples. And so I started you with God's love so you have a basis and that you can experience his love. And some of you are struggling in that settling in his love. And I encourage you to to get to that place, to settle in his love, that we can display the splendor of God, created in his image. We are image bearers, And sin has marred that. But coming to him, he washes over us. His spirit dwells within us and gives us the boldness and power to give the words that people need to hear. So again, I want to just take a moment and pray, and we're going to close off with song. But for you to take opportunity in this time, that if you need to come forward at the end of the service and say, I'm just going to spend a few minutes in prayer, that's good. Allow yourself to do that and just say, hey, I need to settle I know God's love, but I've been so restless. These things have causing me stress. Come to Jesus. And then take the steps to say, I need to choose to share my life with somebody else. God, show me who that is. Heavenly Father, we come. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Your your character of who you are, that your love is so great, your steadfastness that you never give up on me. You never give up on anyone. You are so long-suffering. You are so patient. Lord, I thank you that you are slow to anger, that you continue to come and call us to come back, to rest in you. And Lord, I pray for each one here today that even as we spend these last minutes together, would your Spirit speak to us. Speak to each one individually, where they're at. And Lord, may as they surrender to you, would you pour out your Spirit upon them and speak to them. Lord, even now in silence, Spirit, speak.